Hello, and welcome to the Giving Voice to Depression podcast, produced in partnership with Mental Health America of Wisconsin. We're your co-hosts, Bridget and Terry. Each week, through intimate, candid conversations with guests, we explore different perspectives on and experiences of depression. We keep it real because the illness is real. We keep it hopeful because there truly is hope in spite of what depression tells you. We are not experts or therapists. We are sisters and best friends who live with depression and have learned that hearing others speak openly and without shame makes it easier to believe depression is a common and treatable illness, not a personal failing. You are far from alone. Hello, Bridget. Hey, Terry. Today, we continue our discussion with one of the very few survivors of a suicide attempt from the Golden Gate Bridge. Last week, Ken shared with us the depression-induced thoughts that led him to the bridge that day, and the fact that if someone, anyone, had stopped him and told him that obviously something was terribly wrong and had taken control of the situation, that he would have taken their hand and followed them anywhere to get the help that he needed because he knew that he couldn't access it himself in that mental state, but that he needed the help. If you missed it, we encourage you to listen to and share it. It was episode 119. Today we continue our discussion with Ken, which includes some insights that we wish we could shout from the mountaintops or gently say to every person who is currently having suicidal thoughts. The instant Ken left the bridge, he regretted jumping. He knew he had made a mistake and he wanted to live. We ended part one by debunking the myth that once someone decides to end his or her life, that there's no stopping them. Today, we begin with another misconception. So another myth, oftentimes when someone survives an attempt, you hear they didn't really mean it. It was just uh, either trying to get attention or a cry for help. Um, your particular method makes it pretty clear you intended to die. Yes, I, this was not this was not a cry for help. This was an attempt to end my life. What would you say to yourself today, to that man on the bridge that day? The same thing that my wife tells me on a daily basis: that I'm not a failure. That I'm not a failure. You're not a failure because of this. Come back. You can recover. You can live a, a fulfilled life. And I have. I've lived a fulfilled life in the last 30-some-odd years. I, uh, you know, I watched my daughter graduate from high school. I gave her away on her wedding day. Mm-hmm. I saw my grandson and granddaughter born. I mean, all these things that I never would have been able to do. The key for me here is that you believe that even in that state, you could have been talked out of it, because that's what matters. It's not the two of us sitting here today in a healthier spot, believing that it's then. It's, it's then, absolutely. If intervention happens, you can get them the tools so that if they get into that state, again, they may be able to help themselves or reach out for help. And that's huge. That's gigantic, because we know that life is is not a bowl of cherries all the time. So you've got to be prepared for when life happens, something bad happens, that you you can survive that with the tools that you have. 
And when we speak of intervention, we just as other caring human beings, not even as mental health advocates, your average Joe can have an impact and, and could have with you. Absolutely. I have good friends that we, we, we have coffee every week and they've told me this, that this helps them so much just to be able to talk. And, and if we have that, someone to talk to, someone to, to emote to is, is hugely important. And I think that's where the social media gets it wrong. And social media, you have quote unquote friends, but you never see them. You never see them face to face. You never look them in the eye and tell them what's going on. I, I really think it's important for people to hear what your experience was as you left the bridge. It was it was a total disaster. I saw all the people that I was going to hurt. This just uh, it it hurt me so much to understand that all the people that I loved, my wife, my daughter, my mom, my dad, my brothers, everybody was going to be so hurt by it because I never left a note. I never they would never know. They would never know that it wasn't about them. And they would always have this guilt. I should have stopped him. I should have seen it. I don't know what happened. I would have really changed their lives forever for the worse. And beyond that, did you connect with a will to live? In the water, I was swimming and I was saying, somebody please save me. Somebody please save me. I want to live. I want to live. And so, yeah, I did a, a complete 180 in the air. I, I realized that... Uh, the things that I felt were unfixable, my failure, were actually very fixable. Wow. And, and that's, that's a huge part of it is that I, I did realize that this pain didn't have to go on forever. I needed help, but it didn't have to go on forever. That was my realization on the way down. Are you willing to tell me what that means? What, what was fixable? Because, you know, you also... Of course, when you come back up and when you're rescued or however your attempt played out afterwards, your life is the same as it was, except perhaps a little more messed up because now there's this factor. <laughs> yeah, no, that was one of my thoughts is, oh, gosh, how's everybody going to react to this now? Because not only was I a failure, but I also was mentally ill and I didn't know how everybody was going to react to it. And so that was, that was one of those things also that I thought of. Yeah, absolutely. But what was fixable was my mindset. See, when I was suicidal, my mindset, uh, was that I needed to die. And this came about slowly. I, 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 I talk about a black vortex that I go down and that I went down. And even my wife would say, hey, I love you. And uh, there, was, there was nothing there. I wouldn't accept praise, but anything mm -hmm. bad would get through. And so, so what had to change is my mindset slowly but surely with a lot of help now when she says you're a good human being i love you i accept that and i know that i can trust that and that's that's a big deal that's a very big deal so tell me a bit about the kind of help 
you have utilized uh, to keep yourself healthy in the things that you do? Because there, as you say, is work involved. No, it is a lot of work. Um, my wife wouldn't let me uh, go to the store by myself for months after the jump because she was afraid that uh, I, I was still suicidal. And so, you know, that was that was a big part of it is to gain her trust back that when I say I'm okay. She has to believe me. She has to trust me also. There's a lot of trust that goes on in this relationship. And so we talk about this. We talk about the hard things. I talk about how I feel really honestly. Do you have those honest conversations with a therapist or a psychiatrist or anyone as well? I don't. I pretty much uh, depend on my wife to to be able to understand what what I need. And and it's worked. It's worked for me. She's my rock. She's my my guardian angel. If it weren't for her, I wouldn't be here. I would be I'm sure I would be dead if I left to my own devices and my own mindset. I think uh, I would be dead. Do you still have those thoughts? Uh, not suicidal thoughts. Okay. I call myself a depressive who's just not depressed right now because I, I don't know what's happening in the future. I know what happened in the past. This past spring, I had a, a, a full-on meltdown of monumental proportions, and it scared the crap out of me. I was I was very scared about how I felt about who I was. Because I thought that uh, I was better than that, mm. and it can happen again. And um, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I, I don't try and fool myself to say I'm all better. I, I don't believe that that can happen. It doesn't just go away. If I feel that I need something more, then I will go get it. I, I, I truly believe that. A big part of that is because um, I'm not afraid to ask anymore. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. If um, you know what part of your story, what part of your message resonates with people having having done this for so long, um, I, I want to know what you have to say to the people listening who might be thinking, well, he's different. She's different. I'm I'm actually a loser. We're not different. We all think the same. Your brain lies to you. And you're going, if my brain tells me I'm a loser, then I must believe that. But we can't. There's something wrong there. It's, it's something that can be, can be helped. There is recovery. And that's the, the beauty of it is if, if these people go out, if you go out and you require somebody to help you, you can recover. And I know it's hard for depressed people to to stand up and say, I'm not going to take this anymore. Right. Usually they sit and, and, and say, well, this is who I am. Like you said, this is my new normal. But it's not. It doesn't have to be. I am living proof of that, that in 1985 I wanted to die. And now several years later, 30-some-odd years later, I'm still living because I recover. I'm not different than everybody else. I am the same as everybody else. I'm really glad you survived. Thank you very much. I am too. So is my family. Oh, I appreciate it. It's, it's what I do.
I survive. I work hard at it. I tell my story because I'm honest with myself. (sighs) Yeah. Let's all be brave and not be afraid to ask for help. So, you know, every time we share how we're feeling with someone we trust and every time we listen to someone who shares with us, that is suicide prevention. It doesn't have to be, at some point, it becomes considerably more complicated, but at at the early stages, upstream, that's what we need to be able to do, and that's what we need to be able to say. And he just broke my heart when Ken said, and for any suicide loss survivors out there listening, I really hope you heard him say, they would never have known it wasn't about them. And I can't say anything more about that, because it just will make me cry, but... I will repeat it. They would never have known it was not about them if he had died. Thank you so much, Ken, for speaking so honestly with us and for allowing us to ask anything that we wanted and your bravery and clarity and vulnerability in in your response. My big takeaways are that intervention matters and that Over and over, we hear the message from people that the minute they try and take their lives, they have instant regret. And there's, you know, it's, it's, it's a message that we need to heed. And that's only with the methods that allow you to reconnect with your will to live. So exactly. Okay. Thank you, Bridget. I love you. I love you. Thank you, Ken. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.